back to the Brooklyn Poetry Upcast for July 8th, 2019. Featuring Jessica Greenbaum leading our workshop and kicking off the open mic. And guest MC Bill Livingston, 2018 Yopper of the Year. I am a host of this podcast once again, Jason Koo. Currently in Brazil, having a good time, trying to kick back, but still apparently doing work. The Brooklyn Poets Yop is a monthly poetry workshop and open mic. You can sign up for at brooklynpoets.org. You can see how rusty I am. This month's open mic lineup featured Shane Wagner, Paul Rabinowitz, Jasmine Purick, Jerry Wagner, Julia Knobloch, Harvey Sauce, Renee Kay, Adam Holabick, Mira Levizal, Kenny Torres, Zachary Lawrence, Todd Friedman, Constantine Jones, Julie Hart, Eladio Ledesma, Kim Brandon, Melody Chicoli, Lisa Gold, Dion Thomas, Emma DeBono, Tim Olds, Arthur Russell, Judy Wales, Clement Ine, and Ken Ruin. You can see someone else was definitely guessed I'm seeing this because they got through a lot of names, which means there was far less banter. So good job, Bill Livingston. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And here we go. All right, welcome back. This is the Brooklyn Poets Yop Open Mic portion of the evening. I'm Bill Livingston. 2018 Yopper of the Year. I'm here. <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, pinch hitting emceeing for Jason Koo, our founder. And um, he's actually in uh, Brazil on a beach double-fisting caipirinhas with his gorgeous wife, Ana Maria. And um, we're going to try to make this as smooth and quick as possible. I really want to get through everyone to the wait list and everything. A um, few ground rules before we start. Several pages of them, actually. No. <laughs> okay, everyone gets one poem, three minutes max on the mic. We want to get to as many poets here as possible. We celebrate the community of poets at the op, not just the individual. We record the open mic as a podcast. Please rate us on iTunes. <laughs> if you don't want to be on the recording, let me know. Please speak into the mic so that the sound is ideal, and be careful not to switch off the mic by touching the front of it here. Uh, we vote for the poem of the month at every yop, and the 12 winners over the course of the year face off in our poem of the year smackdown at, at the December yop. Please wait until the end of the open mic to vote. Voting by text. Um, text the name of the poem, poet or poem or what they were wearing or what you remember about it uh, to 718-374-1953. That's 718-374-1953. That's Jason's phone. Let's, let's, give, him, let's give him a tingle, huh? Please don't ask your friends who are not present to vote. That's very dickish. Uh, don't, don't ask for help from the Russians or you're all going to hell. <laughs> and please, um, okay, we're going to start this now. 
Uh, please welcome our featured reader, who also taught that fabulous workshop earlier, Jessica Greenbaum. Okay, thank you, New York. Um, first had a little show and tell. This is a great old anthology, Working Classics, Poems on Industrial Life, if you guys want to read more poems about a certain kind of work. Thought I'd bring that old book. Um, I don't know how many of you knew uh, the work or the person of Marie Ponceau, who died on Friday. Um, and um, so I wanted to read this poem by her. She wrote, she write, she wrote oh, really basically in form, and this is a sonnet called One is One. Heart, you bully, you punk. I'm wrecked, I'm shocked, stiff. You, you still try to rule the world, through, though I've got you, identified, starving, locked in a cage you will not leave alive, no matter how you hate it, pound the walls and thrill its corridors with messages. Brute, spy, I trusted you. Now you reel and brawl in your cell, but I'm deaf to your rages, your greed to go solo, your eloquent threats of worse things you, knowing me, could do. You scare me, bragging you're a double agent, since jailers are prisoners, prisoners too. Think, reform, make us one. Join the rest of us and joy may come and make its test of us. Marie Ponceau. That was so foolish to read that first. <laughs> okay, here's something really different. Um, it's just a mistake. It's like having an epigraph from Elizabeth Bishop in your poem. Don't do that. Um, summer poem. I'll just read this one poem. As so often happens. As so often happens, in the middle of the outdoor concert, it started to pour. It was like a sky-wide water balloon was sliced open, and rain fell as if all at once every second. We were there with friends, kind of friends, and their good friends, and we ran to the nearby apartment of their good friends. And by the time we arrived, we were as soaked as if fallen in a pool. And they lent us their sweatpants and sweatshirts. They made cocoa, set up their oft-used scrabble board, and suddenly, were in their house and wearing their clothes and playing a game for very quiet nights or family. It was going pretty well, I mean, how we were all getting along, although we had young children and they didn't, weren't going to, and that can be awkward all around. And then Jed and I had some triple word score with the word quiz crossed with another bosomy word using J or X, and we vaulted over everyone's tally with 103 points. Our hosts pretended not to be mad, and we left with thank yous and hugs. But when I would see them in the weeks that followed, at the food co-op or on the street, the people whose clothes we wore and in whose house we took shelter, my hello was stopped by a flat, blank look, like when you tap an acquaintance on the shoulder, but it's not them. Over time, I realized it was good practice to go through an intimate experience and pay no attention to it, 
Because our paths cross with who knows who, the skies open up, and we wear their clothes and sit at their table, and as it works out, the cleverness not to connect proves important, and the lack of obligation proves as invaluable as a happenstance bond. But how would I know that, being a woman? Here's to the women's soccer team, all right. Okay, thank you, Brooklyn Poets. That was really a treat. Keep it going for Jessica Greenbaum. Awesome. All right, we're going to get to the open portion. Please welcome Shane Wagner. The other day I was feeding my son. I say I was feeding him because since he was a baby, he hasn't had a bite of food or a sip of drink where somebody else wasn't holding the spoon or the cup. He's 19. When you have children, you have expectations. Those of your family and community, what does it mean to be a member of a certain ethnic group or religion? And those you bring yourself. Some parents want their children to be great athletes or musicians or good at math. I wanted to be able to talk with my son. In fact, I was really looking forward to having the talk, the birds and the bees, and to being there for him for all those awkward moments in his tweens and teens and 20s and 30s and 40s. <laughs> and, but when you have a child with special needs, you have to reset your expectations. And you do it in waves. You let go, and you hold on. You let go, and you hold on. You let go because it hurts to keep expecting something that never comes. And you hold on because you feel naked without your hopes and dreams. You let go, and you hold on. And you promise yourself you're going to let it all go. You're going to dig down. You're going to do the hard work. And you let it all go. And you realize there's more work to be done. So there I was, feeding my son lunch, sharing my lunch with him. And for one brief moment, out of the corner of my eye, I saw him healthy, handsome, whole. And I did a double take, and it was gone. But I remember what it looked like, and I remember how I felt. I'm not a religious man. I don't often think about God or soul or spirit. And maybe what I saw was just an unexercised expectation. Or maybe, for one brief moment, the veil of our reality was pulled back just enough that I could see my son's true self. All right, thank you, Shane. Coming up, Paul Rabinowitz. Jersey in the house! Is this Brooklyn? What? Brooklyn, right? This is Brooklyn, Brooklyn. but this is Jersey in the house. <laughs> Don't try to confuse me, it's too easy. Mm -hmm. 
You ask me to stand closer while you look at yourself in the mirror and remove the black dress you so carefully chose for our meeting. And I remember the sun would soon be setting, so I thumb through my photos and stop at the one I took in Figueres, Catalonia, of Salvador Dali's tomb embedded in the concrete of his museum that he so meticulously curated and chose to lay forever under a large painting of his muse, Gala. And I wonder if I stand close enough, would I feel the same warmth underneath bared feet through the sand on the shore of the Mediterranean as the sky ablaze with red and orange light reflect off the phone glass and onto your gentle hair. Thank you. Thank you, Paul, that was beautiful. Uh, coming up, Jasmine Pyrick. A love poem for M. Sweet one, I wish that one day you could sit across from yourself at a sidewalk cafe, that you might catch a glimpse of the conceivably chaotic yet divinely coherent thrash of ocean waters in your eyes. Taste the scent of wild scotch broom rolling over your collarbone. Look, child, as you open your mouth, whole galaxies pour out, flood the table and drip down onto the floor. I pray that you might scoot in close and whisper cupcake secrets through parted hair. Get a chance to bear witness to the lush, overgrown garden of your own wonder. Vines sprouting from the top of your head, intertwined and climbing, sister, see yourself reaching. Rejoice in the fruits of your labor, branches weighed down by plump peaches threatening to rupture. Baby bluebirds patiently wait below to taste the fallen nectar. Do you hear the laughter of children playing across your skin? Skipping down your spine, their joy echoes across the street and fills the station. Go on, get yourself a big glass of wine. Kindly ask the server to fill it to the brim. My dear, get the meal that you always want but never order. Then, just as you take your first sip, lean in. Watch the magic parting of your lips as though after centuries spent in darkness, this is the first light to be seen. Behold, you are a sight to be held. Sweet one, I wish for you that one day you could sit across from yourself at a sidewalk cafe, raise the white flag, surrender, and end the war that you've been waging. Thank you, Jasmine. I could see several of those lines embroidered on a pillow somewhere. <laughs> Coming up, uh, a veteran and a favorite of the Yop, Jerry Wagner. Yeah. 
That sounds good. Right. Um, this poem, uh, I've had a little success with it. Came out this month in Octillo Press. And uh, it also uh, part, was part of this nice group of finalists uh, for the Whitman Millennium 200th birthday. Yeah. Anyway, so this is Vermeer's Laughing Girl. I envy the officer seated between the viewer and the girl opposed, her arms at rest on the table, a stemmed glass in one hand, the nearer extended toward him, soft palm up. The man, matter bulk casually wallward, holds her in steady regard while the sun washes through open window, gleams off bodice, infuses bright white scarf and blouse. Simple shaded planes reveal her inner forms. The shadow of the nose defines cheek and lips. All gives substance. She is a real girl, and the stardust in her upturned proffering hand sparks virginal harpsichord laughter, ignites the reds, sets the coal black hat to smolder. On the bit of wall, behind where their gazes meet, my oak-aged eye detects a faint map of someplace far away, an atlas that materializes my heart's projection, an underlay for the realms not noted on the painted facsimile above and beyond this moment when long-rayed light adoring all it touches, becomes a reactant then between officer and laughing girl, according each of them, their passage reimagined. Awesome, Jerry, thank you. Coming up, a Yop favorite, a um, Poem of the Year winner, 20, 2016, the same year I competed. She beat me soundly. Congratulations. Exactly, exactly. And she just published a book. It's called Do Not Return. Please see her after. Uh, try to hook, hook, up, uh, hook one up. And uh, please welcome Julia Knobloch. So thank, thank you, Bill. Um, that's a poem I wrote on the weekend, over the weekend. Um, so it's very new. It's not in a book. Um, it has an epigraph from, um, it's a line from a Yehuda Amichai poem. The Yehuda Amichai poem is called Jacob and the Angel. And the line is, then he knew her name and let her go. The poem is called You Will Return in Summer. You will return to the East Coast at the height of summer. Already the fans in my apartment are turning fast. At dawn, I can't stop thinking about the poem you sent. I tan my skin so my swimsuit leaves white lines for you to see and touch the way a humid summer does, slowly oblivious of age. 
Time is marked by the appearance of morning purple and fireflies, by when to water the plants, another flask of sunscreen a new week. The city turns into a village by the sea. In the grocery store, the label grown in California makes me grin. I buy an extra pint of berries for good measure, as a charm. The last word from you I have is yes, all caps, but the weather forecast is not always accurate. <laughs> I keep thinking of the poem you sent. Imagine that long wave coming to the shore while I hold you, savoring your skin more than I could three years ago. I water the plants. I spot another flower on the vine. Before the holiday, my neighbor and I talked about how we hadn't seen any this year. Soon, you might be in this garden, too. I am ready to surrender to the height of summer. At dawn, you might still let me go into the lurking autumn of my body. Do we even need to struggle? You already know my name. Thank you. Thank you, Julia. Beautiful. Get that book. Coming up next, Harvey Sauce. right as always. Uh, first I'd like to invite you to uh, a series and oh. oh. Okay, is this better? Well, no. damn. Okay, now I'm a torch singer. It's, uh, yeah. uh, but at any rate, I'd like to invite you all to uh, a series that I host at the historic, which it is, Montauk Club in Park Slope. Uh, I've been handing out these flyers. Uh, if anybody wants to come uh, and doesn't have a flyer, see me. Uh, we're also going to have a table. It's called Artful Dodgers Poetry. It's usually on the third Saturday of every month, although uh, the 21st will be a Sunday. Uh, we'll also be reading on the White Horse stage at the New York City Poetry Festival at Governor's Island on Saturday the 27th at 4.30. Come visit us. Uh, we'll have a table buy books, sell books if you like. Uh, the poem I'm going to read is, like Julia's, a little something that I wrote this weekend uh, upon realizing that uh, having a heart attack might be a good way to meet people. <laughs> it's called The Kiss. It wasn't a true love's kiss, not one of the fairy tale kind, Still, I breathed you in, coughed once or twice, and I'm alive, saved by your CPR smacks and smackdown chest compressions. Just then, my undefibrillated heart, oh, heart of mine, restarted my chest out of the blue, heaved up heavily as a whale breaching because of you and only you others having stepped over or around me. Oh, were they on their way to confession? I can breathe on my own now, resuming my former autonomy after having lain in the caesura of a heartbeat, stretched out on the sidewalk miming someone's abandoned bicycle. I never did get your name, where you were coming from, where you were going. Oh, my beloved that never was, 
or the opportunity to properly thank you. Pluperfect stranger coming to a stranger's aid in an imperfect world. Thank you, Harvey. I'm going to think of that poem every time I have heart palpitations after too much Shake Shack. <laughs> Coming up next, please welcome Daisy Cox. Is she here? Can we edit that out? Okay, is Julie Hoffman here? Julie Hoffman. Oh, we got double negative. Wow. Okay. How about Shirin Chowdhury? Really? Okay. Just flying through this. Steve Orr. Okay. 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 All right. Here's my best Don Pardo. Ladies and gentlemen, Renee Kay. Hello, I am here, <laughs> and I'm going to read a sonnet for you. Um, this is called The Shape of Love. Too youthful to understand, my drawings of hearts weren't anatomically correct. I imagined it pulsing, self-contained, soft edges and curves drumming me alive, each beat a secret rhyme inside myself. I did not know anything of vessels or the relationship between chambers, valves speaking quietly to each other, working to keep my blood moving forward. So I can't be blamed when gifted that bruise on the cloud canvas of my inner arm for finding within its form my drawings, gently tracing the outline with my breath for thinking this too is a kind of love. Thank you. Thank you, Renee. Do we have Bill Considine? I know we have Adam Hollowbeck. Hello. Yeah, please. Can everybody hear me? Okay. I wrote this poem on Friday at like 3 a.m. It's called Union Pool Friday, July 5th. For those of you that don't know, Union Pool is a famous pickup bar in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. It's been around for a while. Okay, here it is. Heat. Sweat trickling down my back, shirt unbuttoned. Watching the scene unfold around me, it's emptier than usual, emptier than I expected for a Friday night. The bench in the far back is vacant, that's a first. I come here from time to time to write, smoke weed, people watch, posit deep intellectual insight from drunken genders interfacing with each other within that Friday of who cares, let go mentality. But the interactions are less frequent than usual. The whole scene here, scene here seems stale, vacuous, full of out-of-towners. 
I heard Wednesday and Thursday is now the time to come, but I never have time then. The whole outdoor patio is flooded in yellow light emanating from the large bulb set in a small tree positioned centrally. The people who are left gather around it and sit in uncomfortable poses, trying to strike up meaningless conversations. I listen to their voices as I light up a joint, letting it all fade into a cacophony of urban desire and visible displays of will. I continue to write, now letting the words guide me as they clarify in my mind gracefully. I don't care anymore, selectively disavowing my will and becoming a passive observer. All conversations enter a new phase, becoming lucid, becoming keenly aware of the humanity around me, comparing human mating habits with those of Antarctic penguins. But there is always that one who strays from the herd, who makes his own path and lets his mind be bombarded by objective clarity and addiction to intellectual physicality. He understands the beat of life in that moment, and words continue to roll effortlessly from the naked abyss of his being. Every nerve in his body is now wired to the deceptive dance and drink routine, the passing, the phones, the legs crossed in excited hesitation. White blouses turned red under pomegranate spotlights. I hear cars passing on the overhead bridge with an elongated hum and rumble. I think about those cars, all those tourists coming from the airport into this shit. I kind of feel sorry for them and envy them at the same time. Travel, motion, time, gravity, oxygen, words, all aligned within this perfect moment, this dull moment, this shit. Loud laughs now heard around me, constructs, figments, composite realities diverging into others, each carrying degraded pixels. I breathe moments of brave stoop doves diving through the wooden ridges of spectator seats, feeling the vibrations resonate as I lay beneath. But now I needed to break free from this cave in my mind, find true realities, not those reinforced by spectacle. But again, it's like I can't speak, just writing down the thoughts in my mind. Smoke is now rising next to me, cigarette smoke, lips puffing marked oxygen through the yellow light. I make notice of it as it glides along the metal awning and flows ruminating through the expanse. And through the smoke, I see hands flicker, interactions upon more, each foreshadowed in unfulfilled futures. Electricity illuminating faces, a new tenebrism, a new existence, a new. But somehow, I'm unable to craft the scene like Rembrandt, like Sheila, like Messerschmitt, but more like Bukowski, seeing the shit in cigarette butts pulling me to deliver more into this made-up world, illusory, it's so painful to see, wishing in this moment to be born free of intellect and suffering. Thank you. Thank you, Adam. And really, who needs Tinder when you've got Union Pool? Okay, I'm going to read the names of everyone who read so far so you can uh, vote for your favorite poem. Um, la for, that was uh, Adam Hollebeck, and then we had Renee Kay, and then we had Harvey Sauce, then Julia Knobloch, Jerry Wagner, Jasmine Pirick, Paul Rabinowitz, and Shane Wagner. Okay, moving on. Next, please welcome Mira Levazow. 
guess a little higher. A little higher. <laughs> I don't know. I think this is fine. Hi, thank you. This is my first time here. And this is a poem about a gas station in Wisconsin. Um, alternate timelines. I came home from college to find the Sitgo station had disappeared, replaced by a newer, larger Sitgo station. The old one slipped beneath the folds of the multiverse, the geometry of space-time bending to accommodate it. The transformation happened almost instantaneously. The hot dogs only stopped rotating for a split second. <laughs> All the Cheetos lost in a wave function collapse, while leaded and unleaded momentarily lost all meaning. I worry about the old staff. Did they pass over or become absorbed by doppelgangers? Were they properly rebuilt in relation to Euclidean space and Newtonian time? Did they remember to hand off their blue vests? I wish I could recover the old one. I used to fill my bike tires there and buy candy cigarettes under non-fluorescent lighting. Since the change, I keep forgetting which side the gas tank is on and park my car just slightly outside the white lines. People steal bags of ice from the big chest outside. That never would have flown at the old one. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Mira. That was awesome. How'd you hear about us? Um, I took an online summit class last uh, session. Oh, excellent. That's, that's a great way to do it. Welcome to our happy home. Coming up next is Kenny Torres. So I just asked some, my name is Kenny, and I just asked somebody, are we allowed to curse at this open mic? And she said, yeah. So I'm cursing in this poem, but hopefully it's well used. Okay. So this poem is called A Letter to a Gay Basher. Desire hides in nouns, so I had to peel the layers behind them to reveal the passion writhing beneath faggot, homo, and queer that meant to say, that sweet ass on you. <laughs> Your heart-shaped lips are too much for me. So when you curled your hands into fists to drive attention away from those seven inches surfacing in your pants and fell on me and blows a fist screaming, stop looking at me, motherfucker. I ain't gay. I knew you were only trying to court me. Crack the man code of, I can't say you're beautiful. So I'll break your skull instead. If I had known the melodies of your slurs, were aligned with the swish of my hips, I would have gone home and wiped the shit out of my ass, shaved it till it fit your shame just right, turned my mouth into a sanctuary to house your swollen phallus, faggot this and faggot that, when all you wanted was to harmonize till we both come in tune. We could have been fucking all this time. Instead of your five years in rehab and three kids you carry in tow on your back. <laughs> Thank you, Kenny. Happy Pride. Um, remember, the uh, number to text your vote is 718-374-1953. <laughs>
Got to get on that. Okay, please welcome to the stage Zachary Lawrence. Thanks. So this poem comes from last month when we had the workshop where we watched um, images of these golden frogs kind of hopping around and doing all the things that he did. So this comes from that. It's called My Golden Frog. My GF breathes as if she has something to say, but instead of words, it's her heart and it's caught in her throat. Each breath beats exposed, punching against the air ineffectively. It's unknown if frogs can cough, but my GF did, and it made no sound, and nothing changed. My GF learned to climb the glass walls by pressing herself against the corner of her container, almost liquid, as if removing her skin would force her into the shape of her container, as if she wasn't already forced into the shape of her container, as if I wasn't forcing her into the shape of her container, as if she doesn't realize what waits at the top of her container. Thanks. Thank you, Zachary. Coming up, another favorite of the Yop, Todd Friedman. Once in a dream, I made my way down a long, dark hallway into a large room lit up by candelabras. People sat cross-legged against the walls. No one spoke when I came in. They just made space as if they'd been expecting me, all the while listening with great attention to a woman with white hair who gave me a knowing nod. And then the next speaker got up and then the next one, until everyone in the room had gotten their turn. And each one of them gave me that same knowing nod. I don't remember what they talked about. It could have been about watering flowers or the chances of human survival on Mars. All I know is that when I woke up, I was in a sweat, and I ran around frantically searching for the room which during the dream I believed was right there in my house. And if you don't tell anyone else, the truth is, I still do. Thank you, Todd. Coming up, he's a verse to be reckoned with. He won, he's one of the winners of the Bicentennial Walt Whitman Poetry Contest. Please welcome Constantine Jones. A verse to be reckoned with. I like that. It works in so many ways. Um, Y'all know. Um, I'm in Cynthia Cruz's uh, Melancholia of Class workshop right now, which has got me thinking about Tennessee, um, which I always do, but in a lot of different ways. So this is from a, a series of poems I'm working on right now because of that, where um, all of the poems are titled by billboards that I remember passing on the I-40 back home. Uh, so this particular billboard is number seven. It's called We Buy Ugly Houses. 
We buy ugly houses. High school clinic. On the wall, that photo, the girl before and after, prom queen, meth queen. Even as a kid, it wasn't right. Who took that picture? How'd she agree? Where'd the money come from? Why is it here? Folks have got reasons for doing things. Everything was a scare. Sex, education was don't do it or else. Shame grew into a kind of invincibility, like as long as you don't know its name, none of the evils in the world can touch you. This is a very Greek superstition too. Touch red, move from your spot. Do the cross like shooing a mosquito or trapping a bee in a dish rag. Driving around the back seat, daddy on mob front checking out the houses they knew they couldn't buy. They felt better by cursing the smaller ugly ones, the little barn shacks off the roadside. Who lives there, they'd say, like surely nobody they knew. One time it was a friend of mine's place. Didn't say nothing, just kept looking out the window. The share, lyrics, the share lyrics on my lips like prayers left out the books in the pews at church. Tell me, are you a Christian child? I said, man, I am tonight. Not the words, but the way she sang it, the way I sang it too with the word girl. Back then, just as blue as a girl can be was the only language I had. And even still, when they ask, I say he, not why. I say gay instead of queer. If I had these words sooner, maybe it might have made the difference. But do I really feel the way I feel? Thank you. Thank you, Constantine. Coming up, you know her, you love her, a former Yopper of the Year. She just does everything around here, and uh, we can't live without her. Julie Hart. Thank you, Arthur. <clears throat> so this is a poem called Writing a Note to Self While Attempting to Practice Gratitude in Brooklyn. <laughs> One. You should bathe, maybe a bit oftener, even if it doesn't give you the pleasure it once did when you showered and washed your hair every day and stepped from the stall a newborn Venus. Still, you should. <laughs> Two, you should eat vegetables, even if all you want to put in your mouth is spaghetti con vongole, baguette, and fromage, fromage, fromage. <laughs> How can kale compare? Still, yet you should. Three, you should slather yourself in sunscreen. Really, despite the gummy, scummy feel of the awful stuff, you must repel the sun from your easily crisp skin. Or just stay out of the sun. Your choice. Four, you should count yourself lucky, not smart. Five, you should write these words. Mindfulness, meditation, gratitude calm, etc., etc., on small, square, colored index cards and burn them in a ritual of fury. <laughs> Six, you should walk. Walking helps you write. Seven, you should write, if only to tease the venom from your thoughts. Eight, you should tread more lightly upon this earth, but how can you when that would require vigilance, stricture, denial? Your whole life so far has been vigilance, stricture, denial, and frugality. You're tired. You want to let go. Let it all hang out, and there it hangs. Out. <laughs> Nine, you should remember you are already in paradise. You are alive. Ten, 
You should remember you can bring shivers of pleasure to your body just by thinking of the many times you have already shivered with not quite orgasmic pleasure due to a breeze, a smile, a word, a bird, a leaf blowing along the ground, a newt's toes. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Julie. That gave me shivers of pleasure through my body. <laughs> I'm going to read the last few names who read. Again, the uh, number to text 718-374-1953. Don't vote yet. So that was Julie Hart, then it was Constantine Jones, Todd Friedman, Zachary Lawrence, Kenny Torres, and Mira Levazow. We are on the wait list now. We're getting through this. Jason would be so proud of us. <laughs> That's right. Coming to the stage, please welcome Eladio. Eight, way, eight ways a botanist describes unrequited love. Orchids. She holds his hands like she's collecting stardust from him. His hands and hers were entangled chaos that seemed oh so perfect to him, but to her it was a reminder to never let anyone hold you back. Foxglove. She finds him in the bottom drawer of her college dorm room. When she pulls him from the bottom drawer, she smells him into Sunday afternoons and then tucks him into a moving box with an address to a place he wished he had brought her to. Lilac. She finds him working a, grave a graveyard shift of self-reflections, a myriad of mirrors echoing the regrets back to him, a therapy session of rough drafts stacked in gigabytes of poems that will never be read. Daffodil. He writes poems, 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 and poems until they sound like a heartbeat. He then rearranges the stanza of each poem until it matches her ribcage. He uses... 12-point Verdana font to match each strand of her hair that fell infinitely on the thesis of her body. He spells her name in MLA format until she is work-cited in every I love you poem going forward. He does this repeatedly until she becomes an anthology of poems. Lavender. There is a parade of reasons as to why you're still on my mind. A rallying army of words that slip into the grip of my writing pen. A heavy feeling in the chest when I begin to write your name. An honest motif of scattered vignettes of episodes that I forgot to DVR the night before. So holding your hand on the edge of the universe was the worst cliffhanger to this season of The Bachelor. <laughs> Roses. She finds him stacked on cellar racks of wine, aging slowly until he is given a chance to finally open up to be poured endlessly into her wine glass, to smell the red stain of his honesty, ink blotted on her body. He is passed around in conversations until his name is slurred into forget-me's, into I told you so's, into I don't know's and what if's. Tulip, she doesn't believe anything I say, so she doubts me into exhaustion, a constant act of proving my worth to her, only to force the bouquet of flowers in my chest to wilt. Venus flytrap. You've swallowed me whole, and I don't know what to do. 
Thank you, Eladio. Coming up, Kim Brandon. Thank you. I'm just like my first time here in this <laughs> This poem is called Too Many Losses. It wasn't water, nor torrential rainstorms that flooded our house up on Papa Grove, that forced sewers and gutters to overflow. The block was going under for the third time. The ever-rising tides, a sea of man-made sorrow, anguish, and ache. Gold coins rested on the eyes of greed. Hatred kissing the backside of empathy. The broken ways we handle each other's wailing walls. It was the way death comes to relationships years before the body is cold. The way hearts, battered hearts, beat off key. The way you can lose love that took a lifetime to nourish in one day. The way the threat of being swallowed whole by betrayal while singing for the stars and stripes and fighting for liberty in foreign wars while that boy around the corner was shot down in the middle of the street. How you are eclipsed by the broken ways we handle each other's wailing walls. No rainstorms, the block is going under for the third time. No sea, waters, overflowing sewers and gutters. Chased me up those stairs and onto the second landing, hoping not to be drowned by the rising tide of moral backwaters. Rising double time, the rate of human dignity the missing hoods, no sisterhoods, no brotherhoods, no motherhoods, no countrymen, oh, to be human, oh, to be human. The way the tar, the mole spores covered the artwork once proudly hung in the living room for company. See, now everything was soaked. Our feet, our ankles, our legs, hips were wet with a fluorescent sludge a tar of leftovers, reconstituted dollar store, special aisle, half open bottom shelf cast off, infected, voiceless anguish, a pile of trash masquerading as cheap food. We climbed up a landing and escaped onto the roof. No landmarks were left in view, adrift. Adrift, searching for sky, searching for rescue. A lime white rooftop reflecting the sun. This is where we wrote for all to see, dragging our tar-covered feet like pens. Love, save me, save me. Thank you, Kim. That's what it's about. Please welcome Melody Chekali. Yeah, this is also my first time here. Hello. <laughs> uh, this poem has no title. Do two people feel the same tension in a room? 
like when you and I are together in the elevator, do you feel that energy? The tight pulling of every bit of you, uncomfortable but also welcome, please do not look at me. Do you create your own tension, or does it mix with mine and create this cocktail of all the things we want to say to each other but can't because we decided to throw those words away the same way we threw ourselves at each other at one point in this friendship relationship, but are we strangers now? Thank you, Melody. Excellent. Coming up, Lisa Gold. In June, salt water in her hair dries on the conch shell curves of her ears until the sound of the ocean drowns the gull's cries and crab sand scurries. Layers upon layers crystallize, lick her and make yourself thirsty. Parched pink skin, brushed by the blue skies warm to touch, she sits an inch below the surface. The land wants her as much as you do. In September, there are tides of her inside of me. They wax and wane with the moon. They lap upon my shores, and the thin water staining my sand leaves behind memories of us. And then the water retreats back into the ocean, and the salty waves are thick and heavy. When my ears are under their demands, everything is hushed. Her voice is hushed. She feels so far away. I don't know how to bring her closer. The direction of the wind is now against us, and it begins far out in the ocean between. Far enough that I cannot see it, but I feel it. Thank you, Lisa. Please give it up for Dion Thomas. This is also my first time here, so thanks for having me. I moved to Brooklyn about a month ago, and it, it feels it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and it it already feels at home because of wonderful people like you. So thank you for that. All right. So this poem is called "Last Words." The first line of every stanza are the real last words of a black man killed by police, neighborhood watch, or whatever. What are you following me for? I kept my hood down and my pants up, my music low and my head held high, my words clear, but my skin stayed murky. I tried so hard. Am I still not worthy? Never forget who the defense budget protects. Would we remember 9-11 if it brought down all the projects? It's still legal to kill us. They let them go free. I'll be damned before I let the neighborhood watch me. I didn't even do nothing, but I was born black. I've been burning with the label and you didn't forget an expiration date. Black Lives Matter didn't stop police crime and black fears. Do you want us to start counting our time in dog years? Too many tears have been shed over our fallen. We have enough to fill a pool, so please don't tell me we can't swim. I won't hurry to hop in because you used our blood as chlorine. As we wade in the water, you rub yourself in our culture. You forgot your sunscreen. Officers, why do you have your guns out? I was almost home, the one in the neighborhood with people like me. 
But prices went up and the buildings came down. Now my new neighbors have nothing to fear. I'm the only one here. A little less of us was all it took to get the new school. It came with the vegan brunch spot. I guess that's the new rule. Black, block after block that I thought was ours until liquor stores became froyo spots and trendy bars. Don't get me wrong, I love yoga too, but no, my history was a race to build that fucking studio. I don't have a gun, stop shooting. If the war is on drugs, but we're getting shot, what side am I on? I don't recall choosing, but we're the ones losing. Communities about leaders leaving children cheated, chosen at random, chained up, chopped down, and churned out because their famously fickle fathers were fiscally forced to follow the wrong path. You do the math. Why did you shoot me? From slavery to Jim Crow to the prison industrial complex, what's next? Oh yeah, our public execution. So when I speak up, don't tell me I'm loud. I'm firm. Don't tell me I'm angry. I'm dissatisfied. Don't tell me I'm one of the good ones. I'm not. You'll still show the wrong pictures. If I get shot, a bullet, a baton, a whip, a rose, a hose, a needle, a system of vote America's use them all, and we have yet to fall, but I'm starting to feel like I can't breathe. I won't. To let go of our throats, you would have to let go of your fear. The privilege you hold dear, the anger that's always near. Until then, I operate only under the facade of a peer. Oh, racism, we, we had a black, racism's gone. We had a black president, go figure. Then why do you still call him nigger? Ironic killing black men with your black guns, but you'd think the world was ending if it revolved around our black sons. Maybe this is all one bad dream, so I tell myself, it's not real, but it is. They put the twine away, but make sure we stay cuffed. Determined to drive all the mocha people out of Starbucks. You try to wait this out thinking we ain't got the stamina. Even I would take the odds of a gun versus the cell phone camera. So when Kaepernick took a knee, he stuck the landing. Let Tom Brady join in. Some of us may be left standing. Killed for being black, we protest with our bodies quietly. Lucky that we won't try to take what's ours rightfully. No longer the docile slaves forced to suffer silently. No return to their fonder days of our bodies swinging lifelessly. No longer scared of the reach of your wrath. Forces to stand, we'll stand in your path. We'll choke your streets, your facilities, your way of life. Leaving you listless before you leave me lifeless lifeless I'm lowly lifeless I'm labeled lifeless I'm too large lifeless I'm too loud lifeless I'm too lazy lifeless for laughing lifeless for looking lifeless for lusting lifeless for loving lifeless for listening for living listen to my last words please don't let me die but you will Thank you, Dion. Powerful, powerful stuff, man. Okay, coming to the stage, please welcome Emma DeBono. Not to sound like a broken record, but this is also my first time here. <laughs> and this poem is called The Diary of a Flower. Get up closer. That's not part of the poem, okay. <laughs> Roots to stems to petals to nothing but smoke. Burned down to ash, we become the food for the worms buried in our own soil. We taste much too sour. The diary of a flower is made up of the ivy loose leaf, the pulp of pine and bounded by cyclical endings, stories from the slow wilt, only to be watered at the brink of collapsing perched on a windowsill and birthed back into the world, always on the verge of letting go and folding in until someone decides to take an interest, brush off the dust, 
a million dead a million dead cells collected on its own skin now float among the quiet air beneath their extending limbs. You're new for now. Aren't you grateful to be here when you were so close to finally being gone for good? Thank you. Thank you, Emma. Loving all the Yop virgins tonight. Thank you for coming. I'm going to read the last few names for the uh, poem of the week. Uh, Emma DeBono, Dion Thomas, Lisa Gold, Melody Chicali, Kim Brandon, and Eladio for, please vote for Poem of the Month, 718-374-1953. Don't call Jason. Text him, please. Thank you. Coming up. Tim Olds. I think I'm good. Thank you. Uh, also, could we give it up a bit for Bill for fucking rocking it as MC? All right, so hold on, my phone's doing a thing. Okay, so this poem's called Prague 1991. And uh, disclaimer, I was not in Prague in 1991 because I was busy being like three somewhere else. <laughs> but I met this guy at a bar who was talking about when he was there and he was like 20 and an English teacher and like the Soviets were leaving and it was just kind of this whole lawless thing. And whenever he said whenever he would go there um, and like land and get to the train station, he'd start weeping. And I was jealous as hell because I never felt like that about a place. So I figured I'd record kind of his story and kind of his perspective on things. And you know, that's, uh, that's what this is. So, all right, Prague 1991. The last red boots now march off east. May the door hit him in the ass. If you have a problem, take it up with the ministers. Find him in a basement bar, shit-faced, fresh from prison. These artists looking to make up for a lost decade of whoring. Gypsies play fiddles while mothers fuck each other's men. German punk rockers, English teachers. Husbands fuck whoever anyhow. Everyone walks home at five at dawn, sobering up to birdsong from elegant bones of a grand old city, flesh rotten with carelessness. Frank Zappa will not be made accountable but does say congratulations. From now on, you have no one left to blame, except, of course, yourselves. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. Please welcome to the stage, Arthur Russell. You are too kind. Me. It's my first time here. <laughs> I, we had a lot of first time readers. We had a first time MC. First time getting this far onto the wait list. It's a good day for a guy who forgot to sign up. So I have this really long poem over here um, and this really short poem over here. I'm going to read the really short poem. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and um, 
It's one sentence long. It's called Changing Room. It might be a sonnet. It might not be. Jason said it wanted to be a sonnet. I said it wants to get out of this conference and go be by itself. It's called Changing Room. Oh. If you were at the Hamptons retreat, you heard this already, so don't give away the ending. <laughs> Changing room. I lit a three-wicked, wood-scented candle in a tumbler whose metal lid had an inch-long, gold-colored pine cone for a handle. Each evening, for a few days, while I was adjusting to my new life as a single guy. And though I do not favor candles, there were many in the cabinet, and it looked like fun. So I tried this one on, as I had tried on my mother's brassiere in a hotel room facing Lake Winnipesaukee where my family stayed for a week when I was 14, while everyone else was out on the sun-drenched deck doing summer stuff. Thank you. Thank you, Arthur. Beautiful as always. Please welcome to the stage Shuby Arvin. Arun, Shubi, Arun, Shubi, Shubi Dubi. Thought he was too far down on the wait list. I guess. Little did he know, Livingston's in charge. Everybody reads. You get a reading, and you get a reading. Judy Wales. She's here. Thank you. This one, um, can you hear? I, I don't know how to do this, okay. This was actually written in a workshop. The workshops are great for generating work. It's called Vesper. On the side of the road where I broke down and found that deer in the weeds is where I left your urn. I don't feel bad, no I don't. And though one might think it cold, I just thought the deer was there and on its side, splayed out, leg stiff. It seemed a guard of sorts to watch you for all time, or at least the 10 months till the skin and guts are gone and your small tin, tucked safe in the crook of deer bone, will see the sun once more. It is like a vow of spring to come. Do you mind? And I cut some of your hair. Those bright locks stay with me. Thank you, Judy. Coming up, Clement 
Inay. Hi. So I was here last month, but I didn't read anything, so I guess it's my first time. Um, yeah, so my 16, 17-year-old self was like beaming. So this, I wrote this a long time ago. And um, yeah, I don't, I'm more of like a page poetry, not so much open mic, I guess. So, but this is a kind of like a, something that fits with that, I guess. Um, it's called Flint. It's not about, because I, I know there's like a Flint water crisis, but it predates that, so it's not about that particular crisis. So it's called Flint. Um. A coup, start one. Hair, trim it. Smile, softer the better. Jeans, one size fits all. Screen, white noise on the tube. Walk, as tall as you can. Tears, find a hiding place. Move, you have to move to touch, paisley. Better than stripes, strike. Your goals are your own. Walls, please don't socialize. Breakfast of the chimpanzee, drive. Crawl to extinction, think about reparations, unbothered. Sin is among us, love. Flee to original, unbothered. Sin is among us, click. Who are you? Words, the cheaper the better. Face, you were born correctly, me. I was born for you, quantity. Wasting away, sight. Too afraid to feel, bravery, unfamiliar to me. Random, the lingo in the lyrics, spirit, the downfall of evil, sharpen, the drowning ear, loose, the wit you didn't earn. Make, me a proud writer, read, my every word, freak, my every flow, take me with you when you go, more. But for now I just make, sound, block it out, focus on your task, make me an arrow, one, That'll always last. Flint. Flint. Thank you, Clement. Awesome. We have time for one more reader. Is Ken Ruan here? All right. I want to give a rumble for everyone. Everyone, yeah! I had to get that out, yes. The title is, I wrote this 30 minutes ago. <laughs> it's better to have said than to have shut up. That line sounds mighty important. I'm speaking in hopes of your validation. Shower me with applause and acknowledgement. My higher self is emerging as I speak. I will speak things into reality. From here on out, I am wealthy at heart. I am fortunate in this and my many next lives. I am not bound by space or time. I already embody all my desires. I don't, wait, 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 wait. Don't is not a word that exists in my vocabulary. Ken, stop that shit right now. This poem was written in a subway bathroom. I digress, there's always this ADHD. I if I believe it is in my consciousness, then my consciousness gives way to reality. 
I don't have I don't have $10 for admission tonight, so I actually went to the bar and I asked for $10 to come in. Thank you. Thank you, Ken. Okay, let's recap. Ken Ruan, Clement Ine, Judy Wales, Arthur Russell, and Tim Olds, please text 718-374-1953. Couple quick things. Brooklyn Poets has an upcoming reading at the New York City Poetry Festival on Sunday, July 28th at 2 p.m. on Governor's Island. Uh, Professor Gregory Crosby will be reading along with former BKP fellow Azia Wadud and the great Jericho Brown visiting us from Atlanta. Um, Ileana Arnav and Veer will be at the festival selling t-shirts and books at our vendors table. And the next job is on August 12th. Sign-ups for that begin right now. Sign up as soon as possible because that advanced list fills up very quickly. All the names? Like every name. Every name. Okay. All right, let me read every name for you. Ken Ruan, Clement Ine, Judy Wales, Arthur Russell, Tim Olds, Emma DeBono, Dion Thomas, Lisa Gold, Melanie Chikala, Chikali, Kim Chikali, Kim Brandon, Eladio, Julie Hart, Constantine Jones, Todd Friedman, Zachary Lawrence, Kenny Torres, Mira Levazau, Adam Hollebeck, Renee Kay, Harvey Sauce, Julian Oblock, Jerry, Jerry Wagner, Jasmine Pirick, Paul Rabinowitz, and Shane Wagner. Please, please text. Can you say the number again slowly, please? Sure. 718. Three seven four one nine five three. Okay, so the next job is August twelfth. Sign up for that now. Uh, Jason Koo will be back as MC. Thank God. <laughs> one final final thing. One final final thing. I will be featuring Thursday, August twelfth at eight thirty at the Poet Settlement. In the, in the back room of Halyards Bar on 3rd Avenue and 6th Street in Gowanus. Um, it'll be my first feature in yeah. 21 years. So I have a lot to say. And it's a wonderful open mic as well. So check that out. Thank you so much. We got through it. Thank you. So there you have it, the Brooklyn Poets Yop open mic for July 8th, 2019. Big, big, big thank you to Bill Livingston for guest emceeing on this particular night. Uh, actually, the first Yop in the history of Brooklyn Poets that I have not been there because uh, I was in Brazil, as Bill mentioned on the podcast, trying to relax in any case. We've been doing this since April 2013, so that's a lot of yawps and uh, a lot of anxiety, <laughs> turning the reins over, 
to someone else uh, on this evening, but Bill did a fantastic job. Also, a big thanks to our team of uh, staff members who were there that night to record the podcast, Eliana Swerdlow, Arna Babanani, and uh, thanks also to Arthur Russell and Julie Hart for helping out setting up the event, breaking it down. Uh, this could not have happened without you. It's a testament to our community. Uh, I'm so, so grateful to all of you who were there to uh, make the event happen without any hiccups. It really is incredible, uh, the job that you did. Thanks as well to our professor, longtime BKP professor, Jessica Greenbaum, one of my favorite poets in Brooklyn, for leading our July Op workshop. You should definitely check out her new book, Spilled and Gone, out earlier this year from uh, Pittsburgh Press, University of Pittsburgh Press, one of the best books of the year. Uh, just one of my favorite books of all time, really, so I cannot say enough good things about it. You definitely need to read it right now, uh, especially if you have not heard of it. Now you've heard of it. Uh, if you don't know, now you know, as a famous Brooklyn poet once said. So go buy that, read it. And I almost forgot, congrats to Yop debuter Shane Wagner for winning our July Yop Poem of the Month for his beautiful poem, Feeding My Son. Shane has earned free admission to a future Yop and a spot in our Poem of the Year Smackdown coming your way on December 9th. Our next Yop comes your way on August 12th. That's the second Monday of the August. It's usually... A very packed house in August as everyone gets ready for the fall. It's this thing that happens in January of August every year. People try to recommit to their writing. It's a beautiful thing. So if you want to come out to that, definitely show up early. The sign-up list already full. But if you want to sign up for the wait list or just the workshop, go to brokenpost.org. Uh, the workshop teacher is TBA because uh, we have some new profs teaching for us this fall. And probably one of them will lead it. Uh, trying to figure out who that will be, so stay tuned, but we will announce that soon. Uh, definitely by next Tuesday when the promo goes out. So again, to sign up, go to brokenpoets.org. Thanks to all of you who rated us on iTunes. We appreciate your support. If you haven't done so, please go to iTunes. Rate us. We appreciate it. it helps attract more listeners to the program. Thanks for listening once again. I'm going to try to relax now. Go have some caipirinhas, as Bill said, on the recording. Uh, and we will see you in August. Ciao.